0: Of Reichman University. Fully booked.
1: Read into it with Michelle Lamar and Liras Levy. And welcome back. You're listening to Fully Booked on
0: Audioversity, the voice of Reckham University. This is the podcast where we discuss our favorite books, discover new reads, and give you a bunch of new recommendations. We are your hosts. My name is Michelle. And I'm Raz. And today we are going to be talking about The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Yes. (laughs) But before we get into it. Yes. (laughs) So like, obviously, Dorian Gray is a classic. Mm -hmm. Now like, Leeraz, would you consider yourself a classics reader? No. I wish I was. I'm interested in becoming more of a reader, um, who reads classics, <laughs> obviously. But um, n- not there yet. I'm trying. I'm trying. This was a step towards it. That okay. I I
1: mean, like, I love classics. I was I used to like not be that girl that like read classics and everything, but like, I think I've kind of reached a point where like I do really enjoy them, mm-hmm. and like. like I have just like a little bit of a a bone to pick with so like obviously before we get into the discussion of Dorian Gray and the book and how we felt about it I just want to have a little brief discussion about classics in general Mm -hmm. and say like I have a really big issue with the way that classics in general are taught in schools because I feel like they're just not taught right like Classics are considered classics because they have a very specific point to make. And, you know, sometimes that point isn't like the best. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, one that comes to mind is The Merchant of Venice by Shakespeare, fully anti Semitic.
0: Never read it. Hate it.
1: And just like, it's objectively a bad play. Right, So like sometimes the point that the play is trying to make like isn't a good point, but they do have a point to make. And the whole point of teaching these classics in school is to teach kids critical thinking. Mm-hmm. And instead of actually analyzing the text and teaching the kids how to gain critical thought, they kind of just like throw the books at the kids and they're like, so what do we think?
0: Was this symbolism? Was this a metaphor? And I'm like... Okay, but how, you know? Mm-hmm, like, I have sure. you had that experience? So, like, unfortunately, I haven't been taught uh, many classics because um, when I was around ninth grade, uh, sorry, 10th grade, I came back to Israel. So um, <clears throat> when I was in Israel, I didn't, like, they didn't teach me classics in English. Uh, I read Pride and Prejudice on my own. I read... Um, Macbeth by Shakespeare on my own because I was interested in them. It was very difficult for like me, uh, who's never had like experience reading classics, because classics are harder to read and understand than like normal fiction or Yeah, because the fiction. language is a little bit more exactly. inaccessible. But that's and
1: another thing. Like you need to teach kids how to be able, be to, able like, to understand this language that isn't fully accessible mm-hmm. to them. Like if exactly. something is written in an inaccessible language, then because like I remember very vividly how I learned to read Shakespeare. And first of all, I remember how I discovered Shakespeare, which was because it was in seventh grade and my friend was really obsessed with Doctor Who. So like I wanted to be obsessed with Doctor Who so that we could, you know. Yeah. Bonding. Yeah. Um, And like David Tennant, she was like really obsessed with him as the doctor and he was playing Hamlet Mm -hmm. in the BBC version of Hamlet. And I watched it and it was the first time that I'd ever, like, discovered Shakespeare, and I was, like, enamored by it. Flash forward a week later, seventh grade, we're learning Hamlet. Oh, and you
0: I learned was Hamlet like, in seventh grade. Yeah. We learned Romeo and I Juliet. I was in an
1: honors class in uh, okay. in seventh Obviously. grade. <laughs> <Honestly>. <laughs> I was in an honors class in seventh grade, so we were, so they tried to start us off with, like, bigger texts. Mm-hmm. Not that Shakespeare's, like, like, it's not a long play, but bigger in the sense of, like, more difficult. Um and my teacher actually sat with us and like taught us how to read it and she told us like you need to like take it line by line and if something sounds like if you can find any sort of parallel to what this line means to anything that you might think of in like modern day language that's probably what it means and a lot of the times it was Mm -hmm. and I just feel like that's something that a lot of kids missed out on when they were like I was really lucky that I started off in my like classic sort of unit in school with a great English teacher and I ended my like high school career with a fantastic English teacher who like I remember very vividly. We read The Great Gatsby, and I tried to read The Great Gatsby when I was about, like, 14 years old, just, like, on my own. Of course own you would. Because I thought <laughs> that I was, like, really cool. Like, oh, like, I was just, like, reading The Great Gatsby. You read Anna like, Karenina when you're, like, so what, 13? so I didn't understand Great a Gatsby. single word. So, like, I read The Great Gatsby, and I was like, I didn't understand a single word, but I was just, like, that, cr- you know? Like, I <laughs> yeah. really thought that that's who I was, and I did not like it because I didn't understand any of the subtext, and I didn't yeah. understand what was trying to be said. And then when I watched the movie, Movie, and when I saw the way that um, just, like, people in general consume The Great Gatsby, it made me, like, really frustrated. And then flash forward a few years later in my junior year English class when we're learning it with this teacher and he's telling everything. Like, and he really, like, sat with me and, like, taught me how it's actually a complete criticism and, like, a critical take on 1920s society and everything and, like... I was like, oh, so, like, I've been thinking it the right way the whole time, (laughs) you know? I was right. I was right the whole time. Such an ego
0: boost, I swear. No,
1: but, like, just, like, the way that he taught me how Mm -hmm. to read classics and everything, it just, it helped me, and I feel like that's something that a lot of people miss out on, because I also had really bad English teachers that didn't know how to teach anything. Like, I hate to kill a mockingbird because of a terrible English teacher, Because he did not want to teach us anything. That's the one book I did read. He was just like, read this book. Do we think there's racism? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) did you read the book? (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was just like, what do we think? And I'm like, I don't know how to think. Literally me. <laughs> I feel like, like, you can't just, like, throw kids out into the wild mm-hmm. with, like, Lord of the Flies and be like, so what do we think this is a criticism of? And they're like, I don't know, the jungle. <laughs> like, what? Like, you can't, like, you need to teach them how to look between the lines because, like, kids, even if they are, re- and I'm saying kids, but, like, you know what I mean. Like I'm 16-year-olds. About, like, I'm talking about, like, middle schoolers and high schoolers. They're, you guys are still children. Okay, like, I'm still a children and Same I'm 22. still a children. I'm still a children. <laughs> (laughs) um and like you can't like you can't ask them what the significance of it is until you actually like teach them how to learn how to like read between the lines because when I was younger and I was reading like my own books for pleasure they were mostly fantasy you know like and I was reading them for like the fun of it you're not like and a lot of the times when it's like especially young adult and children's fantasy it's like the point is a lot more like put in front of your face and classics, you kind of, like, they kind of, like, hide it. Like, you kind of have to work for it. You have to, like, delve deep. And that's something that you need to teach yourself. Like, you need to teach critical thought. And because, first of all, because we have shitty English teachers, especially in westernized schools. And second of all, because kids don't really want to learn. Now, all of a sudden, we're in 2022 and people are like, media literacy is dead. And I'm like, I wonder why.
0: I mean, I don't know. For me, like, when I was... Um what was it? I think seventh or eighth grade. Yeah. Seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Uh, I was in an in international school in Germany. So we did have uh, English classes, obviously. And I slowly, slowly like got better in English because I wasn't great in English then. Uh, and I love my English teachers. Um, but for me, like reading classics, we only started at around... Uh, ninth grade to go into like to kill a mockingbird and um george orwell's animal farm those were the classics that i read in ninth grade that's yeah and so i like we did have discussions in class but i like i don't know how in depth they were compared to other classes who like really went in depth but that's the scope of my like you know um understanding of classics like I didn't go really deep I didn't learn how to like understand them and how to like go at them so it's kind of like daunting sometimes when you read a classic and you're like oh wow okay <laughs> very it's very different than like even reading historical fiction that even even the time that it's set the language is so different the way that they discuss things the understanding of certain things are so completely different that like it's very challenging sometimes and I think like with this book the picture of Dorian Gray I did, I was a little challenged, I'm not gonna lie. Like I I was reading it on my Kindle and every five seconds I'm like dictionary app what does this word mean what think, does this mean I
1: think with Dorian Gray specifically I think the language itself is more accessible than others yes it's definitely. just that he like Oscar Wilde loves he makes things to so over exaggerate yeah <laughs> like he loves to use the most like dramatic word mm-hmm. possible the flower. but I think language. like I think if you're actually like trying to get into classics I do think that Dorian Gray is one of the better ones to pick because oh, I agree. it's not very very dense um it's also, it's also like, short pretty short my copy was like i think and 10 yeah, pages and i have the penguin classics edition it's gorgeous i'm obsessed with it um but yeah like the the book in general is like it's pretty short and like again like the language isn't inaccessible you can understand everything that's going on you'll just get to a point where you're like okay like come on we get it the flowers are gorgeous yeah like enough already and then, but like that's pretty much it. Yeah. And I think like, like
0: yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I think no, it's like fine. <laughs> the thing about this classic, uh, I haven't read many in my lifetime. I mean, my twenty years, twenty one years of living. Um, but it's such a failure. <laughs> I know. How dare I? But I like. I know that the ones that I read myself, like uh, Pride and Prejudice, like. I was in 10th grade and I was trying to do it. So I knew that I wanted to read this book. And I also was familiar with the 2005 movie. So that helped me. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, do you mean the best movie The best movie ever the adaptation exists? ever. <laughs> like, yes, obviously. The Hand. Um, the Hand. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Okay, okay, okay. Not going on tangents. So the rain seat. It was so much easier for me to like get into it. Because I was familiar with the scenes. So for for this one, it took me a while to read. Um, But also, like, at the beginning, I was so interested in it. And, like, I do completely understand why this is a classic. The thing about classics is that, for most part, you can understand why this book is considered a classic, even if you didn't like it. Like, Withering Heights. I I told you, like, not my favorite, like, book. I read, like, half of it, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. But I do understand why it's a classic. Wuthering Heights
1: was is one of my favorite books of all time. Obviously, um, Wuthering Heights was created in the time of Gothic literature mm-hmm. and Gothic literature and the Romantics, like the Romantics period, which is actually my favorite era of literature in terms of classics. Um, I love the Romantic era. It's I have a lot of thoughts on it. It's my favorite thing and it was basically the movement was essentially in like it was formed as a rejection to logic mm-hmm. and it put more focus on and like romantics not in the sense of like romance and like love and everything but more in the sense of like everything was very like emotions were at its peak um like logic was not used as a mode of thinking basically and it's it was honestly like it provided more substance to a book i think for me like i understand why people aren't a big fan of the romantic era but i personally am most of my favorite classics come from the romantic era what
0: like constitutes as the romantic era (laughs) oh
1: it's so so like mary shelley who wrote Frankenstein, frankenstein one of my i think frankenstein might be at like the top of my class, like oh, it's so good. It's so we're gonna okay. Anyway, we're <laughs> gonna t- we're gonna get into that later. But like wow, um, I like I I think that this whole like idea of if you this is something that I've seen more with classics than anything else. Mm-hmm. People have this thing that like if you don't like a book, then that means that it shouldn't be a classic. No, that's not true. And I'm <laughs> like, what? Because like I saw this. <laughs> I watched this girl on YouTube and she made a video um, reacting to this list that BuzzFeed made about like people explain why these books shouldn't why like sh- these books should be stripped of their classic status. And it was literally just a bunch of people saying that it was because they didn't like the book. One of the ones was Wuthering Heights. And the reason was because all the characters were unlikable. And I'm like, maybe you just won't be a fan of gothic literature then. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I think. Because that's the whole point. Like, like Lira, I don't if you like don't the like Wuthering Heights, but- maybe you, maybe gothic literature is just not for you. Like, maybe <laughs> you wouldn't be a fan of the romantic But I get era. why it
0: should be a classic. Yeah. Like, I don't think it should be stripped off the, its title. The <laughs> one that
1: pissed me off the most was Pride and Prejudice. The
0: one where they said that everyone's sitting around and not doing anything. That one's kind of true,
1: but like no, because like if you're if you're gonna read Jane Austen, maybe don't read them all like back to back because it really is just like a bunch of people going from like house to house. But mean, it's, what were
0: they supposed to do? But at the it's time?
1: more like the reason why we love Jane Austen so much is because it really focuses on like the actual relationships and mm-hmm. it puts women at the forefront. And the main like this person said that Pride and Prejudice shouldn't be um, a classic. First of all, they didn't even read the book. Oh, my God. They were like, I stopped reading after two chapters. <laughs> and then they were like, it's literally just like the Bennett sisters are going from one ball to the next. And literally, like, I saw another person that was like, Europe was literally falling apart at the time. I saw and we're that. supposed to care about the Bennett sisters getting their next husband. And That's I'm like... That's the point. If we looked at every single book in the world that way, there would be no books. Mm-hmm. Because... I'm sorry to tell you, whoever doesn't know this, but the world is collectively falling apart. All the time. At any (laughs) given moment. Like, it's not news, you know? So if, like, why should a book that... And, like, the reason why Pride and Prejudice was such a big deal. I agree that if Pride and Prejudice was released now, it wouldn't make any big statement. But Mm -hmm. at the time, it placed women at the forefront of their stories. And it allowed these women to have agency, where they were the one... Like, it showed that money is... Like, marriage is currency for these women. And it showed them actively pursuing marriage and love. And, like, that's why Jane Austen was so revolutionary as a female writer. Because, like, where else were we supposed to see that? Exactly. And And also also her her characters. I mean, like, her characters are (laughs) great, but, like, those are just my two... Also, her male characters... We're not just, like, selfish assholes that, like, continue to be selfish assholes, but, like, still won in the end. Mm -hmm. Like, they actually saw the error in their ways. And, like, also the female characters are incredibly flawed. Like, Lizzie Bennet is a very flawed character. Like, I recently reread Pride and Prejudice, and I was shocked at how stubborn she was. And, like, not even in the funny way. Like, there were points where I was getting, like, genuinely frustrated with her. Because I'm like, what are you doing? Like, how do you not see that, like, you are literally the only person that doesn't, like... Like, it was just wild to me. But, like, she showed their arcs and how they became better people. And, like, Mm -hmm. that's why she's such a, like, great writer. And that's why her books have stood the test of time.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, like, no matter if you don't like the classic, I think you could still understand why they're classics and why they're considered it and i think that's beautiful
1: i do believe that there are certain classics that are just like objectively harmful Mm
0: -hmm. like Like, the merchant of venice
1: and for example like the taming of the shrew also by shakespeare incredibly sexist the movie 10 things i hate about you by the way 10 out of 10 movie love it love it to death but like the play is like really really bad but like you have to understand like these plays were written at a time when like
0: this was common
1: yeah yeah And you can look and, like, the thing is, is that you can, like, does it matter? Like, obviously, we should acknowledge what the author's intent was when writing Mm -hmm. these classics. But if you're trying to teach critical thought, you can take these classics that have, like, these objectively harmful messages and you can teach them to analyze why it's wrong and why this society was so messed up. Well, like, maybe that's just my opinion. Maybe I just want to, like, actually analyze the books that I'm reading. I mean, Maybe. But I agree with you. I guess, like, not everybody wants to do that, which is fine. But then, like, maybe don't read, like,
0: classics, I guess. Like, I don't know. Mm. I agree. But I moving know. on. I think anyway. this is quite the tangent. Yeah. Um, the Picture of Dorian Gray. Yes. Michelle, why don't you give us a synopsis? Because okay. I could never. <laughs> so, basically, The Picture of Dorian Gray is about our
1: main character, Dorian Gray. Obviously. And, um... Essentially it starts off with a painter named Basil, love the name, and he has recently painted a picture of Dorian Gray
0: <laughs> like you could, you know. The title says something. Wow. Okay, so he's recently
1: painted a portrait of Dorian Gray and he and Dorian has basically become Basil's muse. And through Basil, Dorian meets Lord Henry.
0: Also called Harry.
1: Who introduces Dorian to this world of hedonism and free thinking to a fault, Mm -hmm. I would say. And basically what it turns into is Dorian becomes so vain and so obsessed with his own youth that he, through some circumstances, um, he ends up. I guess, like, it's not like he made a deal, but it's like, essentially, his portrait becomes a vessel for his own sin. So every time that Dorian sins, the picture takes the brunt of the action and Dorian himself stays youthful and beautiful forever, while the portrait, each time that he sins and each year that he grows older, the portrait changes form. Mm-hmm.
0: So, like, all his sins are essentially reflected reflected in the the portrait. portrait
1: And it shows who he really is inside. And it's definitely philosophical fiction. Mm -hmm. It definitely focuses... It's also very dramatic fiction. Let's just...
0: I mean, Oscar, Oscar Wilde <laughs> prose.
1: Oscar Wilde's prose is so extra and so over the top. It can be beautiful at sometimes, but He's some other times. He's a fantastic writer. He is a fantastic writer.
0: Anti-Semitic, yes. Was he an alleged pedophile? Yes. Probably problematic in so many other ways that we can't even understand. Mm-hmm. But his writing is beautiful. But sometimes so unnecessarily complex so and long. long. So so dramatic! I don't care. Like, there's like, so many things. I was like, he talked about gems for like th- an entire chapter, and I was like, dude, I don't know these gems. I don't care about these gems. I don't need to a know. Reason no,
1: to point out the the fat Jew, the no. mean Jew, no. the Jew the every single time like, that he touching came, The flowers. Every single time that the Jew came on page, <laughs> the fat Jew, I just, the mean I Jew. just kept on writing and me. Me, me, it's me, I'm the mean Jew, and I am coming for Oscar Wilde in his grave.
0: Like, not Uh, only that, but his, like, the way he talked about, like, old people. The way he talked about women.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just have to say, Henry
0: basically became, like, a
1: vessel for Oscar Wilde to talk about how much he hated women,
0: and I was like... Every single sentence uh, Henry says somehow related to how women were the bane of his existence.
1: But like, can we talk about how Henry is like my favorite character? He's amazing. Okay, wait. There are three
0: main characters in this uh, novel. There is Dorian Gray, obviously. There is Basil or Basil. Basil. I don't know. Who says Basil? I feel like it would be that pretentious though. That's how I feel like it would be. Basil. Like, I say it, basil because of the herb, but, you know. And uh, Lord Henry, or Harry, as some call him. Those are the three main characters.
1: They're also, like, kind of the only character.
0: <laughs> I know. Like, you have other characters that, like, make appearances for a long times, but then they just are forgotten.
1: They're kind of, like, ancillary characters where they just exist to either... Further the plot. To either, like, further the plot or just confirm Henry's philosophies on life. Mm-hmm. Like Sybil.
0: We'll talk about her later. Um. So.
1: <laughs> anyway.
0: So Basil, let's talk about him first because I think that's the easiest one. Mm-hmm. He is the artist that paints the portrait of Dorian Gray. He is basically the one who's just like enamored by Dorian. Like Dorian is his muse. Yeah. And literally every single sentence Basil says about Dorian is like he's so perfect he's so youthful he is my muse and i could never like forsake him and i'm like like, i
1: don't want to show my portrait to anybody else in the world because they would understand my true feelings yeah and And like he's like, like i can't show dorian's face to the world because it's the face that like i created in this portrait and i'm like is this gay? Like, I'm like this is so romantic and I don't even know is, like what you want from me. I would say, like, Dorian Gray is definitely a
0: romantic novel, not even in the sense of like the romantic era. Like this shit is romantic. I know. Like there are so many quotes where Oscar Oscar Wilde just threw in and I'm just like, wow. Like if I would read this in a romance novel, I would be like swooning to the no best, end. Like I mean, the
1: way that like Basil is in love with Dorian and Dorian is in love with Henry and Henry is in love with himself i love it <laughs>
0: it's yeah so basil is basically like the artist yeah. the one who created the portrait that gave um dorian gray the option to like forsake his sins uh basically and then lord henry is like my the best favorite. fucking character he is
1: so awful and he is so chaotic and he is objectively the worst and he's so sexist And he's so classist and he's so ageist. But let me tell you, I love him. He's so funny. I love him. I think it really just like gives credit to Oscar Wilde's Mm -hmm. writing that he was able to like write these pages of henry's musings on why women suck he goes on and on why old people just need to like give up and die and why like the lower class needs to like be burned and i would be like true (laughs) true like Like, he has a
0: point (laughs) 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 like obviously no but maybe like (laughs) but also the way it was constructed like he had a very like specific way of how he like created an argument for lord henry yeah he threw this like inane radical notion and then he would go and explain like logical things that i'm like "Mm -hmm, that makes sense and then he would like further his radical notion by like digging deeper and i was like why does this make sense like why am i agreeing with him that women suck i feel like
1: there are so many characters that people try to do i mean like throughout millions of years of writing Mm -hmm. books i feel like there are so many people like people that that authors have tried to create where they try to say that these characters are so enigmatic and so influential and that they're they were able to just capture the minds of so many people even though their views were like objectively harmful and then you like meet these characters on the page and you like kind of find them to be weak they're lacking but with Lord Henry, we're reading from the perspective, most of the time, of Dorian Gray, Mm -hmm. right? We're experiencing the story through his eyes, and you yourself understand why Dorian just completely gives up everything to follow Lord Henry's philosophies on life, and it's wild. Mm -hmm. He's such a well-written character, and, like, I get that a lot of the views that he's saying are, like, written so eloquently because they're Oscar Wilde's views himself, Mm -hmm. but... As far as like a character goes, he's fascinating. He's amazing,
0: and his influence on Dorian Gray, which is like, first basically first of all, our Dorian Gray is literally the
1: weakest. <laughs> he's such a drama. The queen. weakest little bitch I've ever met. This man has no spine, no <laughs> none spine. whatsoever. Okay, he literally meets one pretty boy, and he's like, and I will give my life to you.
0: He follows what Lord Henry says to a T. Like, he, at first, he's like, mm, I don't know. But then he's like, oh, yeah, this is what, like, Lord Henry says. And, like, he's so right. And his personality is 100% created by Lord Henry. Yeah. Literally every single asset of his personality. Like, did Dorian
1: Gray have a personality before he met Lord Henry? Who's to say? Does don't it even know. matter? No. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But, like, I still love it anyway. Exactly. I mean, I did enjoy this book. I gave it four and a half stars. hmm I really thought that it was great.
0: I agree. I think it's a great book. I just... There were some parts where I just couldn't let it go because Oscar Wilde just kept droning on and on about really, like, inane things. Like, I don't care about these things. They were so, like, unnecessary, right? And he just droned on and on. There was one chapter which was, like, 40 minutes long. And it was just about how between the ages of 24 to 36, Dorian Gray, 38, Dorian Gray like went on with his life and he explored music, art, uh, gemstones, don't know. like, And he met people and he influenced young men. And it wasn't just like, oh, just mentions of these. He went deep. He went into all the pieces he read, all the beautiful art that he saw. And I'm like, I don't know any of these, but even if I did, I don't need you to wax poetic for 40 minutes straight. I was, like, falling asleep. And this is just one, like, really big example of, like, how sometimes, like, I feel, like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, like, I'm not, like, you know, knowledgeable (laughs) in all the classics and stuff, but I felt like it was too much, and that just, like, really took away from my enjoyment. So, like, I gave it a three stars. It That does not mean that this was not an amazing book and that Oscar Wilde's writing is incredible because I I agree. feel like
1: three stars is definitely, like, the type of rating that you give a book where you're, like, it accomplished exactly what it needed mm-hmm. to accomplish, but it just wasn't, like, my ideal yeah. type of thing.
0: Like At least that's how I rate three stars. No, I agree. I think it was a good book. I had just a lot to say about it also, like, Not as positive.
1: Yeah. To me, this book was very much, like, my thing, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, I also think, like, the way that he goes on and on, like, I think it kind of serves the point of what exactly we're supposed to be taking from the book in the sense that he's literally making every single aspect of Dorian's life after he discovers what he's able to do with this portrait. He takes every single part of what Dorian does with that information and he makes it sound so beautiful and so enigmatic and it kind of romanticizes exactly what we're supposed to be so horrified by Mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of why I wasn't like as bothered by it like yeah it's kind of annoying and
0: repetitive but
1: like I do think that it served its purpose
0: I think so like I think to an extent yes I just for me it wasn't working as well but, I still but, like, think, that just comes down to, like, yeah. readers' taste. Like, yeah. literally, who
1: cares? Exactly.
0: You know? But I still think this was an amazing book. Uh-huh. I think the plot,
1: the entire like concept mm-hmm. is fantastic. Synonymous. Okay, I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I think just like the idea that you're able to pass over every single sin that you make in every single year of your life and put it into this portrait that he hides away. Yeah, he's so ashamed of year- it. Not even ashamed. I don't even think so- I don't even At think point, he was ashamed. I think it's I think in the beginning it's just like I don't need to deal with this. Like yeah. he's so like giddy at the idea that he doesn't have to like acknowledge any of it it's only until we get further into the book and literally like another 18 years that he's like maybe i've been like kind of doing bad things and that's when we really see the shame but like Mm -hmm. I think that like the way that it starts off where Dorian hides the portrait away not because he's like embarrassed or ashamed of what he's doing he doesn't want but other because people to find it's out. like he doesn't want other people to find out but it's also like well, this is like my perfect excuse now to live the life that I've always wanted to live. Always wanted to live is since like he you met Lord Henry. He like he meets Lord Henry and he's like, these are the thoughts that I've always had, I but just I've have never this in had the courage yeah. to think out loud. And I'm like, shut up! Like he literally he has zero so, original like thought. In I'm his like, brain. like, you know what? Lord Henry might be literally like the worst person alive, but at least he had the guts to say it out loud. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. He doesn't hide it. He's like, oh, I'm horrible. I know that I'm horrible. But like But does that change the fact that I'm right?
1: No. Like exactly. I love the guts on this guy.
0: Yep. I do. And I think that the ideas that Lord Henry had just like furthered a lot of the aspects that were discussed in this book. Like the ageism, the the like the way that they perceive beauty. Um like Th- those are the like main two aspects of this book, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, and I think it's so beautifully and well done. Like it's so interwoven throughout the story. Like th- when they talk about Dorian Gray, they're like, "Oh my God, you're so beautiful, and you're so like youthful and youth and beauty." He's just, just like go essentially hand hand. a pretty boy. Like, yeah, y- you have nothing else to offer the world. To me, but your Dorian looks.
1: Gray looks very much like I don't know if you've seen this movie, The Talented Mr. Ripley. I think I spoke to you about yeah, it. Yeah, you did. Young Jude Law. I have so many feelings about young (laughs) Jude Law, especially in The Talented Mr. Ripley. Mm -hmm. To me, that's what Dorian Gray looks like.
0: And I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. I have, like, a specific picture in my head, but I don't, like, think anyone can, like, touch upon it. I feel like there's, like, it's a mixture of a lot of, like, pretty boys. Yeah. With blonde hair. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I have. That's all I see. (laughs) You have, like, zero personality. You just have amazing bone structure, beautiful eyes. Amazing long, hair. Yeah, and long oh my blonde hair. Like, shoulder length. <laughs> I have, like, it feels like it has a swoof, Yeah. Swoosh. <laughs> okay, anyway. Yeah, they that. Okay, um, shall we move into the spoiler section? Mm-hmm because I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah.
1: So, um from this point forward, if you have not read the book, I mean like go and read it. It's really short. You it's should. easy to get through. Um and it's like pretty entertaining. Like I was entertained. There
0: was so many great parts and I think that like no matter what like you think about classics, this one is is worth the read. It's
1: definitely one of the more accessible classics mm-hmm. that I've read. It's so it's like kind of funny, honestly. Like It is. Oscar it's Wilde, like maybe he maybe he snapped with this humor like it's pretty good, um. So from this point forward, if you haven't read it, uh, go and read it. Um, if you have and you want to like stay and hear our thoughts, yes, about more like spoilery aspects of the book and like stick around.
0: All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is daunting. Okay, let's start with um. I feel like we should start with, like, Lord Henry's impact and how, like, it really impacted the rest of Dorian Gray's life and the rest of the story. Yeah. So, from the point that Lord Henry and Dorian meet, like, Dorian is Lord Henry's bitch. I'm sorry, but he is. There's not even a
1: point when... Because they meet around, like, chapter three. Right? Like, yeah. Okay. Um, They meet at, like, chapter three, and the second that henry starts talking dorian is like yeah like there's not even a point where dorian is like i don't know how i feel about any of this like even when he's like not fully agreeing with henry he's like still agreeing but he does Mm -hmm. that thing where he's like oh henry you're such a rascal you old rascal you and i'm like
0: what <laughs> like, did like, you say anything with those words? words? Like, what? Like, I mean, like, he's literally, like, the definition of performing
1: activist. Oh my God! Yes, we're like Dorian's just like oh Henry, you and your silly old mouth. Like I feel like Dorian treats Henry and his like because like he'll see someone getting offended by what Henry is saying, and I feel like Dorian does what every single person does about like their old grandparents that start like saying like racist or like homophobic comments, and they're like oh oh Grandpa, you it's and your Lord you Henry. and your silly old mouth, you. And oh I'm God, like yes. they're literally homophobic and racist.
0: You know what I'm yes. saying? but then, like, it's not, he doesn't even realize that, like, first he starts agreeing with him in his mind. He's like, he does have a point. Like, Lord Henry, like, has, like, really great points. And, like, he's such a smart person, blah, blah, blah. And then literally, like, Lord, like, Lord Henry's thoughts and opinions are mirrored in Dorian Gray's thoughts and opinions. I just have to talk about the fact that, like, Lord Henry
1: has all of these philosophies and everything. And, like, so true, besties. Support Go for that. it. But, like, he himself says, oh, yeah, but, like, I don't act on, like, half of these philosophies because mm-hmm. I'm a civilized man. And I'm like, you little hypocrite. And then Dorian is like, well, if he's not going to do it, I'm going to do it. And then he just does it like what he literally has zero like originality dorian has like no originality no impulse control he sees henry say like what's the best way that a man can be and dorian is like i'm gonna be that man (laughs) look at me i'm doing it dorian is literally like the definition of that guy that has like no personality but changes every aspect of himself to fit the guy that he's in love
0: with me I mean, yeah. Yikes. But this is to like an extent. But yes. also, he knows that because of his portrait, he doesn't have to face the consequences. Of course. So he's just, just like. I just think
1: that it's really funny because it really shows like Henry's manipulation of Dorian. Oh God, like, yeah. It's like he's Henry encouraging. Knows also. Henry knows exactly From what he's doing. He's encouraging Dorian. He's encouraging Dorian to. My favorite line in the entire book. Oh my God. I need to pull it up because I don't want to like. Don't want to wreck it. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I need to pull it up because I don't want to mess it up. But this is my all-time favorite quote in the entire book. When Henry says to Dorian, "You will always be fond of me. I represent to you all the sins you have never had the courage to commit." Yep. What kind of crack was Oscar Wilde on when he know. wrote that? Like, oh my god that that hits. That really did hit. Like, like, wow. cause it's so true. And, and also, like. like it really shows how this portrait gave Dorian the courage to I mean like do it. It really just shows like the the fine line between courage and cowardice also mm-hmm. because if Dorian didn't have this portrait, he would never have acted on any of this. Like he makes one bad decision and he sees a slight difference and he's like, "Well, now I'm just going to go all the way up to 100." Speaking of that inciting incident, Sybil,
0: Sybil, Sybil. I. This poor girl. So basically, Sybil is this woman, this young actress, this little girl. I think she's like. Oh, she's young. She's young. She's like seventeen. You think she's like seventeen, eighteen? Yeah. Dorian around. is twenty. Yeah. Um. This is the beginning of the book. Around the beginning of the book, and Dorian Gray goes to this like. I don't he know. goes to a
1: theater where Sybil like, is basically performing in performances of shakespeare's plays so he sees her as Juliet, and he's like i'm gonna marry that girl one day he's in love with her he's just like falls in love with her love at first sight i mean like you can really see that he's projecting his feelings for henry onto this poor girl right
0: <laughs> right is that a hot take no like i was just like wow. i don't even think that's a hot take it's just a fact he's just like she's so beautiful she's so young i'm just like why is this the way that henry talks about you Right? Yikes! <laughs> so then, like, he's like, I have to talk to her. He goes talks to her, and poor Sybil's. So he's like, oh, this pretty guy who has She's money. She's in
1: love with him. She's so like, she overwhelmed. Just falls in love with him, like love at first sight.
0: And he's like, like my prince charming. He'll save me from this oh, horrible. Yeah. Like, like, she like,
1: only refers to him as prince charming. She doesn't like, even know his name. Nobody even no. Like, it's just, it's wild to mm-hmm. me. So, like, they get engaged. Dorian asks asks her to marry him. And he tells tells Lord Henry. Basil and and Henry. And he's like, Guys, I found like my dream girl. And Henry's like, You're not getting married. Like, are you, like, who are you kidding? (laughs) And so they bring. So Dorian is like, No, you don't understand. She's literally the most like divine creature I've ever laid eyes upon. Mm -hmm. And he brings them to the theater. And Sybil, who is so. In love with Dorian and who has finally realized like what true love is, mm-hmm. she cannot act in love with these people that she feels no connection to because she because like the it would only be a person because the only person that she can even fathom being in love with is Dorian. Like mm-hmm. these, pe- like her 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 stage partners are nothing compared to him, and she basically like bombs the entire performance. It's and hilarious. Henry and Basil are like what is this? They're like, huh? And, like, it's so funny to me because they're like, I think that you were too just, like, enraptured by her beauty to notice that she, like, kind of sucks. And I just think that it's, like, really ironic for him to say Dorian that. Literally Dorian Gray. Like, excuse me. But anyway, so, like, Dorian then, like, breaks up with
0: Sybil. The second that his friends leave, he goes to the, the backstage and he's like, what was that? Like, this... And she's like, she's like, no, you don't understand. I'm so in love with
1: you that I can't act in love anymore because, like they're nothing compared to you like you don't get it and he's like you suck and then he leaves breaks off the engagement with her he leaves and then what does she do she goes and she fucking kills herself i'm sorry but it was so
0: funny to me (laughs) (laughs) no wait let me explain what (laughs) Like the way that it was set up, like he just breaks off with her. He's so dramatic, he's like, I can't believe I did this. I almost threw my life away. I was listening to Lord Henry And then like two seconds later, someone comes and he's like, Yeah, you should like know that she killed herself and then he's like, Mmm, Is that my fault? Am I at fault? And he's like, no, I'm not. Like, it's her fault. And then he looks at the painting.
1: The way that Dorian also, like, tries to romanticize Sybil's death. And he's like, this was her last. She did this to me. He's like, this was her last act for me. Like, this proves her love. And it's because because Henry tells him that. So, of course, like, the way. I'm (laughs) sorry. The funniest part of this entire book to me is the way that Henry will, like, tell dorian something in the middle of a crisis and dorian like henry will leave and then dorian will be thinking about it and he'll have the exact same thought as if it's all his yeah, original it's idea
0: like, i was thinking this but he just made me realize it like,
1: like it's so funny sybil kills herself she kills herself the poor thing and henry is like no this was like an act of love and dorian like sends him away and then he's thinking like two hours later he's like this was an act of love. He's and I'm like, like, this is
0: the greatest act of love someone could ever do. And I have the honor of what? it being done to me. It's like And Done for me. For me. Sorry. For me. <laughs> my I'm mistake. Like, and then so like, this is obviously the inciting
1: incident where Dorian is so obsessed with this painting that he literally knows like every single brush stroke. Mm-hmm. He sees that like his smile is off. Like it's, it's like more there's malicious. A, there's, a, there's a cruel turn to his mouth. Oh my God. Right. Yeah and he That's stares how at this he is. painting for like hours and he's like something's changed he like <laughs> goes to sleep he's like it'll be better in the morning he wakes up first thing that he does is goes to the painting he's like this is still off <laughs> and then he like realizes what's happened he like throws the painting into his attic or whatever into that room and he's like
0: i'm just gonna live my life now <laughs> wait no <laughs> we forgot what did we forget he broke up with Sybil. He broke the engagement. He was awful to her. He came home. That's when he saw the painting, and mm-hmm. then he's like, "I'm gonna fix it. I'm gonna write the best love letter ever." And he writes like this most like, <laughs> fucking dramatic, fake, hypocritical love letter ever. And he's like, "I'm gonna send it to her." And then Lord Henry comes. Yep. And then he's like. What's done is done. Yeah, I mean, I he can't really do anything. Did, like, I
1: feel like Dorian Gray really just like live, laugh, loved throughout this entire book.
0: <laughs> Literally, he had zero
1: like. Was he the original girl boss? Yes, maybe. I do love a
0: girl boss. He was so horrible. And he was to an so extent funny that like it's hilarious how bad he is. But then like the way he tries to like cover up his mistakes and be like. You know, like, I couldn't have, like, done that to her. Like, it's not my fault that she killed herself. Like, it's not my fault that she was so in love with me that she didn't see a better way to deal with the, you know, like, the pain of losing me. I'm just, like,
1: over him already. Like, oh my God. I was
0: laughing so hard that chapter, which is horrible.
1: He's really something else. Yes. This man. But, yeah.
0: So, simple story doesn't end there. Like, she died, but she has a brother who's super protective of her. And,. He's, he like, kind
1: of creepy to me, to be honest. I
0: asked you. Maybe do that you was remember just that I me. asked you? No. I asked you, like, after I was finished with the chapter. I'm like, does he, like, have feelings for his sister?
1: I mean, I don't I don't know if that's what, like, the intent was. it was so, like, it just intense. just like, very... Like, he seemed, like, overly invested in, like, protecting her. And I was like... Mm. Yeah, I was uncomfortable. I was like, is this, like... Am I meant to feel this way? I think that might just be, like us maybe but i don't know maybe either way like james james his like his feeling of like protectiveness over sybil was like a lot and i was like mm-hmm. okay okay
0: but then he left to go like be a sailor or whatever i don't know what he was um he's like
1: never gotten over sybil's death because and he has no idea who dorian is because she calls him prince sybil charming. called him prince charming she never told anybody what his name was mm-hmm. and so like james has just been like living his life for 18 years and dorian not knowing gray. and dorian gray is just like out here again like girl bossing his way through the world
0: yeah literally like his reputation is horrifying uh when he gets to 38 because like since from 24 since sybil died till 38 that was like the chapter that i hated we just learn about like all the things he, do- he did, like how he went and traveled the world and he did whatever and he learned a bunch of new things and then he, like, befriended a bunch of young men and influenced them the same way that Lord Henry influenced him. And, like, you can, like, it says something about, like, what his influence did to them and their reputation and how, like, no one, like, wants to associate themselves with Dorian Grey anymore because that's how bad his like reputation Like, anyone that is.
1: goes into his house, like, they come out ruined mm-hmm. and it's, like damn like what have you been doing
0: like it's been like it's been 10 years dude yeah a little bit more over but like it's been like 18 years that's a long time yeah that's why it's so dramatic because people are like "How is he not aged for 18 years Mm -hmm. but that's why they want to keep like hanging out with him because they're like if he's so beautiful how can he be so horrible yeah like lord henry says something to that extent he's like you're so beautiful there's no way that you could be that like marred by sin or something like that i don't remember the words but like that was just wow that was a great moment um but anyways he's a terrible human being he has like a horrible reputation in society young men like don't want to get near him but like basil and lord henry don't know any of it like they just choose to ignore it because dorian's their friend and they just
1: like continue hanging out with him yeah which like okay fine um But, like, I don't know about you, LeRoz, but, like, I've never killed a friend.
0: Neither have I. I mean, I haven't even thought of it. But, like... Like, let alone killed a
1: friend that was so in love with me. Yeah. Like, can we talk about the fact that, like, Dorian literally killed Basil? When I tell you the gasp
0: that came out of my mouth, I was like...
1: (gasps) Literally, I was like, no. Because, like, I had a feeling that something was coming. I had a feeling that something was coming. I was like, there's no way... That, like, all three of them are making it out alive. I had a feeling that Dorian was going to die. Yeah, same.
0: I thought, like, James was going to kill Dorian. But
1: I was, like, mm, I actually didn't think that James was going to kill Dorian. I knew he was going to come back. I always knew that, like, I always had a feeling that Dorian was going to be the cause of his own destruction. And, like, that's just, like... What happened? Yeah. Um... (laughs) Because, like, you can't have this concept and then have some, like, random brother be the one to kill him. Like, it needed to be Dorian's own actions So after finishing the book, I
0: really, the book, I understood. Like, I was like, yes. Like, this is the only way it could have ended. But before, I was like, I don't know how this is going to end. Like, I feel like James is going to come back and he's going to play a big role in, like, Dorian's demise. No, I I did not
1: believe that. Like, I just, in my head, I was like, James isn't gonna amount to anything like he's just like he's not gonna do anything like he's gonna try like but like he's just gonna spook Dorian I just I just knew that Dorian was gonna be the cause of his own destruction and but let's talk was. about Basil Dorian kills Basil and it's honestly like the funniest thing in the world because like the way that Basil literally admits to Dorian that he's in love with him
0: twice I know he just comes so Basil and comes to him each time Dorian is like that's not my business Basil comes to him, he's like, I'm leaving to Paris tomorrow, I had to see you before I left because I had to tell you, like, talk to you and, like, whatever. And then Basil ends up admitting how his feelings towards the portrait, because um, he was so enamored by Dorian that his all his feelings were in the portrait, and then um, he wanted to see the portrait one last time before he left, and Dorian's like, you can't. And then he, like, confessed that he was, like, basically in love with him. Yeah. And Dorian's like, okay
1: (laughs) no so like basil is like no like you have to like you have to like atone for this like you can't just like you can't just live like this he basically tells dorian this is wrong and dorian is like really murder
0: not yet he does. When he takes him to see the, uh, the the picture. Yeah, after he sees the portrait. And Basil's like, after wow. After he sees the
1: portrait, Basil is like, you need to atone for it. Like, this can't go on. Like, you can't be living like this. This is awful. He blames and himself Dorian is like, And Dorian is like, cool, now I'm going to kill you. And then he's like. He's so mad at the idea of, like, taking responsibility for his own actions that he literally
0: blames Commits Basil.
1: Crimes.
0: But he blames Basil. He's like, this is your fault. Like in his he's head like, he's like, this you is your fault. You made
1: this portrait of me. You, you created made this me so beautiful.
0: And I'm like, okay, stretching it a little bit. Okay.
1: And then like he just like stabs Basil. I'm sorry. The way that it's described though. <laughs> so There's nothing like deaths in classics because it is so vague. Mm-hmm. It is so funny to me cuz like it'll literally be like like It's always the most, like, like the shortest because, like, they can't be too, like, gory or Mm -hmm. anything. And, like, it's just so funny because, like, now we have books and, like, YA books are more gruesome than this. Six of Crows is more gruesome than this. And it's so funny to me. But, like, just the way that, like, Dorian, like, stabs bits. Does he stab him in the neck? Yeah. Yeah. He,
0: like, stabs him in the neck and then he's, like oops Oops. (laughs) and then from then on he's like the body in the in the in the attic, or the man I in mean, the like, attic, he, like blackmails this guy yeah. to
1: dissolve the body.
0: I'm like, is this Breaking Bad? It's the bad? same guy that he uh, the the same guy that was like discussed about, like talked about mm-hmm. when um, they discussed like how his reputation like went mm-hmm. bad and he ruined other men's reputation. So apparently, this guy was related to him in that he, way. Like, he like dissolves the
1: body, and I'm sitting to myself thinking like, oh my god, is this Breaking Bad? over know, here? because like if anyone doesn't know Breaking Bad, which is my favorite show of all time um they dissolve bodies in chemicals and I, when i was reading because that, he's a
0: chemistry teacher or something right
1: yeah, yeah and when i was reading that and like it happens a lot throughout the show and like i remember just like reading that and i was like walter white moment I'm like oh my god same bestie like so true i was like oh this is definitely what they were
0: like did, is that how he learned like mm. yeah but then like afterwards after like basil died he's like oh i can't do anything about this it's not my fault he has again one
1: moment where he's like oops and then he's and then he like the second that the body's gone he's like "Mm, over it now yeah literally and that's when he goes to like the opium den and that's when james sees him him. yeah and that amounts to nothing yeah literally nothing (laughs) james James dies dies, like two chapters later (laughs) You don't even like see him. Die. Like Dorian it's has this moment. It's the saddest fucking death ever. It's so funny. It's so ridiculous. Because <laughs> like James sees Dorian and he's like, "Are you like you're the you're the reason my sister's dead?" Because Dorian person calls like, him Prince Dorian Charlie or something. Like, Dorian is like, "Look at me. I'm I'm a child. Like I couldn't have known her. That happened like so many years ago. I was barely even alive then." And James is like damn like that's kind of true and then some like woman is like no like he hasn't aged in 18 years and james goes to look for him and he's not like he can't find him Mm -hmm. and then he just like dies like dorian knows that james is coming after him and he's like paranoid and then he just wakes up one
0: morning and someone is like james is dead and he's like he was killed like because he came to this like i don't know what it was but there was like this mansion or something that they were all at and they were shooting like I don't know, they were hunting, and yeah. James was planning on, like, killing Dorian, but then the guy who was with Dorian killed James. He just, like, accidentally gets shot. And Dorian didn't recognize the body or something. He didn't see the body until, like, he just, a day later. He, like, James just
1: accidentally gets shot. And I'm and, like, this is so funny. Like, it's so absurd. Literally. And it's so good. I'm sorry. Like, it's just so good. And I, like, again, like, it just gave way for Dorian to be the cause of his own destruction because literally, like like, a few pages later, like, Dorian is dead. Because Dorian
0: decides, okay, now I'm gonna be good. I'm, I've am i lived yeah. my life, so now I need to be good. I'll do little actions. I will not sit anymore. So he goes and He wants to destroy the painting because he's like, this is what's causing me to sin. I need to destroy it. No, because it starts off with the fact that he, like, tries
1: to be good to see Mm -hmm. if he can, like, reverse it. But the painting only gets worse. Yeah. Because his, like, his motivations are really selfish. And Dorian is originally like, that's not fair. And then he goes into this fucking rage. He, like, this guy has, like, a full mental breakdown. And he just starts, like, stabbing the painting. With
0: the knife, he stabbed basil with
1: it's so it's such a good moment honestly it's so good good. the way that you see dorian just like losing his mind and seeing that the last 18 years of his life have finally caught up with him and when he just finally like snaps and stabs the painting and it's just amazing and the way that the book ends it's such a satisfying (sighs) ending so basically um the people that are working in this house, like, the his, like, servants, you know, like, his, like, housekeepers and stuff, they go up to this room that has been closed off to them for the last 18 years because that's where the painting is. And Dorian doesn't want anybody to know. They go in and they see this body just, like, on the floor and hanging on the wall or, like, just, like, leaning against the wall. It's in the room right above the body. I
0: think is on the floor. Yeah.
1: Is the painting that Basil first... Painted the beautiful, impeccable,
0: the like pristine
1: portrait portrait of Dorian and who he was when he was first painted 18 years ago. And below the painting is this like horrifying, disgusting, mangled, like grotesque mess. And they don't even know. Like they can't even identify the body until they see that Dorian's rings are on the hand, and it's so. Oh my god, it's such a poetic ending. And I'm like, I read that, and I was like, I fucking knew it. I knew he was gonna be the cause of his own destruction. I was right
0: the whole time, and
1: I was like, oh, like
0: I. I didn't know it, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most satisfying ending to a book I have ever read. I was like, wow, I have never wanted someone to die in this, like in in a set, like this way that I it did It wasn't Dorian. even that I
1: wanted Dorian to die because I, I hated him, him so much. I wanted him to have to repent wanted- for to so like Deal with the consequences of his fucking sins. Like, I didn't even want him to die because I hated him. I wanted him to die for the complete character arc. I wanted him to die Mm -hmm. so we could come full circle. Yes. So we could see that, like, beautiful poetic ending. And, like, when you look at it, like, you really know, like, there is no other way that it could have ended. Because, like, what would have happened if James would have
0: shot him? It wouldn't have been Who cares?
1: Who cares? There would have been no impact to that. Like, no one wants to see that. This was stunning i loved it and
0: the symbolism like i the way that he like the painting that basil painted for him was like disgusting right because of his sins he stabbed it with the knife he used to kill his friend it was the same knife and i was like that was beautiful to me like that it's like that was beautiful to me like i know it's like emotional support yeah like (laughs) Em- <laughs> emotional support dagger emotional support dagger
1: <laughs> emotional
0: support painting <laughs> i thought it was beautiful i was I, so satisfied i with just the i really
1: enjoyed this book like it's not a favorite of mine um because there are classics that i do love a lot more mm-hmm. um just because like they have a bit more of like emotional meaning to me um and like the times that i read it in uh, but this one has been on my list for so long. And this I'm so happy. This one is also like, it's so I funny finally, and I didn't expect it to be yeah, funny. Yeah, like it's it's like shockingly humorous. Yeah. And like, I'm just, I'm so happy that I finally was able to read it and like Same. cross it off my TBR. Because um, like, I had such a good time. I, I did too. I really too. did. Like-
0: even though like I was annoyed a bunch of times because of the descriptions, I really enjoyed this book. To me,
1: like even that one chapter of descriptions, it, like it didn't take away my enjoyment from it. Cause like it wasn't yeah, just the it was one like chapter. Cause me, like, but, yeah, like yeah, it was like like annoying to like read that one part. But again, like I think that it served its purpose to mm-hmm. show like how Dorian was like using aesthetics to apply to every aspect of his life. Even though he's literally like so mentally fucked mm-hmm. and like such an awful human being, um, yeah, it didn't phase me at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe. I think like this is still a book that I would definitely reread in a couple years from now just to see where I'm at just because like it's it has like it's such an easy book to return yeah, to exactly it's like it has that like rereadability to and it. it's funny so like you're gonna be laughing with the characters mm-hmm and like, Also, I part, just
1: love Lord Henry so much. There was a
0: part with Lord Henry's sister, and I'm like, I wish she was more in the book because she yeah, was so she funny. Was, they were witty. Good. Like, like, one they had line great, like back and forth. Like, I enjoyed I really it so enjoy her. It was only towards the end, but what I saw of her, I really liked. Same. I was like, ah, I wish she was more in the book. Mm-hmm. But she was a woman, so, you know. <laughs>
1: anyway. Not
0: shocking. Anyway. Um all right okay i think so it's safe to say we both enjoyed this read yes we did um i think even though like i gave it three stars i liked it a lot and you liked it a lot i gave it four and a
1: half stars i really really enjoyed myself Four and a half?
0: i didn't know i got four stars no four
1: and a half wow um and yeah so obviously as we always close off our episodes we will be providing you with some recommendations
0: because I have never read anything like this and I don't have any recommendations to give you. Michelle will be taking don't you, over. But
1: I like, don't you like the catcher in the rye? That's a classic.
0: When I say I like The Catcher in the Rye, I don't say I enjoy like reading it. I will never read this book again. I liked it because I read it with my best friend. It is a red flag book. And I we actually read it- don't
1: like the catcher in the rye. I, I fucking get love the point that of book. it because he's such a whiny little bitch. I get the point of it. I understand. But like it's not it's problematic i don't like it like again it's one of those books that, like if you analyze it through the right lens like if okay this is just like a quick like dating tip um if you are on a date with a boy specifically a boy and he says that he really loves catcher in the right do yourself a favor ask him why if he says that it's because he really loves the way that toxic masculinity is portrayed and the, the way that you really see this, like, raw depiction of anger mm-hmm. in teenage boys and the ways that they have no outlet for it. So they choose to internalize it and project it onto every other person in the world. I mean, like, marry him. Um, if he says it's because he thinks that Holden Caulfield rocks, leave, run. Um, but anyway... So I will be providing you with some recommendations.
0: Don't ask me for recommendations. I do have
1: a lot. I am a classics girly. Who would have thought that we would have ended up here? Not me. Not me. (laughs) Um, So I have my list. So like obviously Jane Austen is a huge recommendation. She's just incredible. You don't have to
0: say much about her. She's amazing. She sees for herself. Obviously my
1: favorite book of all time is Persuasion it's getting a movie adaptation i'm so happy that it's finally getting a movie adaptation i've been waiting for so long dakota johnson is playing Anne elliott and i think that she is perfect casting anyway so like jane austen just like all of her books but like specifically persuasion um okay so jane Eyre and um weathering heights um written by charlotte and emily bronte like just like the Bronte sisters were such pillars of the gothic literature movement and it's so fascinating they're both very intense love stories that are not love stories Jane Eyre is more of a romance than Wuthering Heights is Wuthering Heights is more of an exploration through love and how it can destroy two people and the people around them Jane Eyre is more of a gothic romance um I'm trying not to go on too long about these recommendations because I do have a lot. Um, but yeah, so, like, Jane Eyre and Heights, great books. Anna Karenina. Okay. Why am I not so, surprised? Like, so, <laughs> I read this book way too young but it was because of the movie that was coming out with Kira Knightley. And, like, I read it, and I did not take in a single word. And then I revisited it years later, and I was like, oh, like, it actually slaps. Like, it's just such an amazing portrayal of just the the ways that sexism just drives society forward. And, oh my god, like, Anna as a character is so complex and so wonderful. And just, like, the gender dynamics and the ways that power is explored through that book. I just really, really enjoy it. And I think that it's such a good book. It is long, but it's so worth it in the
0: end, I think. I feel like this is why I need to read classics with you because you have like so much more insights than I could ever like imagine. It's because
1: I employ critical thinking.
0: I have zero critical thinking bones in my body. That's fine if you don't, but like
1: maybe it's not the best for like classics. Like it's like you need to like analyze things a bit more with classics. That's just what it is. Like that's that's honestly part of the reasons why I find it difficult to read like um like fluffy romance. Mm-hmm. I definitely prefer to read more like intense romances. Um that's why, like I can't really get into like rom-com books cuz like I just I like there's there's like a bit of like lack of substance cuz most of the focus is on the romance and mm-hmm. less on the characters and I feel like it's like like, I know that that's the point of it, and that's why I can't, like, get into it, you know?
0: I mean, I feel like there is a point to what you're saying, but there are a lot of romances that do, like, have, like, amazing, like, I'm talking about, like, rom-coms
1: though. specifically that put yeah. the focus on the romance.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's also, for me, like, when I read, I tend to, like, not critical think at all or think, because that's the point of reading. I don't want to think. But that's why I think I, I do struggle with, like, books that, like, make me have to critical think, because then I'm working harder than I'm used to. Uh, But it's not a bad thing. Yeah. The
1: Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison is one of the most, like, heartbreaking books I've ever read. Um, Big, like, content warning for child sexual assault. Uh, Toni Morrison was... uh, She's one of the most prolific black authors uh, from the 1900s. And The Bluest Eye focuses on our main character who is a young black girl and she projects all of her desires for um like the beauty standards at the time which was blonde hair blue eyes white skin and she so desperately wants to have blue eyes because she thinks that that's what's going to make her beautiful and it just follows her and her like heartbreaking life and it's so sad but it's so worth it and it's so good did make me cry did make me cry a lot it was one of the books that i actually had to read for my english class and it like broke me but i think that it's something that everybody should read at least once in their life and like only once because like i could never be able to reread it but like yeah the bluest eye by Toni morrison is amazing um <laughs> the bell jar <laughs> by sylvia plath i mean like i know that i said earlier that Frankenstein is probably my, my, my favorite classic the bell jar is my favorite classic of all time it's like I mean, it's right below Persuasion and If We Were Villains for my favorite book of all time. Like, that's how much this book means to me. Uh, And just, like, Sylvia Plath in general, her poetry, like, wow. I mean, like, her diary entries, like, you just really see the way that she... I mean, like, is she problematic? Yes. But, like, again, she was a white woman in the 60s. Like, who... Like, what white woman in the 60s wasn't problematic? You know? I mean, like, The Bell Jar is just one of the greatest explorations of mental health. And femininity in the 60s and the ways that she was just like falling apart and it's just fascinating to me um but again like frankenstein as well like for all of my dark academia bitches this one is for you because like it literally just all focuses on the idea of creation and just like sacrificing your mortality and like oh just like amazing what a great character study obviously shakespeare Specifically, Othello, Antony and Cleopatra, Romeo and Juliet, Macbeth, Twelfth Night, and um, The Tempest. <laughs> specifically, those <laughs> are so good. I love them all. I like, like not going to go into all of them, but like Othello is my favorite play of all time, and it is the most accessible Shakespeare play in my opinion. So maybe that's just because it's the best one. I don't know, but like read that one. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, L- Lolita. This is a red flag. Yeah. But I would like you to explain, please. I do have my reasons. I think that Lolita is a fantastic book if you read it the way that it was written. And that's because, like, Vladimir Novikov, who's the author, if you didn't know... um, he did not intend for this to be a romance. He did not intend for our main character to be this, like, sympathetic guy. It's just that it was told through his eyes, and he's honestly such a fantastic writer that, you know, stupid men have taken this to be a romance and have taken it to be this, like... Because when because when our narrator is talking about how Lolita, like, seduced him and everything, like, we know that that's not true, but it's the way that it was written that like anybody with critical thought knows that this isn't that this isn't good it's not right it's actually a very horrifying portrayal of child sexual abuse and rape and it's so heartbreaking how he isolates this little girl to make her feel like she has no one but him and it's such a it's such a heartbreaking story and it's really like devastating to me to see how it's been twisted in modern day adaptations and going off of lolita This isn't a classic, but I do think that it will become a modern classic. My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell draws heavily on Lolita because our main character starts off as a 15-year-old girl and she gets into a relationship with her um, 40-year-old English teacher who gives her Lolita and uses it as a vessel to groom her and assault her and basically scar her for life into her 30s and it's so devastating to see and that's on like that book is one of the reasons why i look at lolita the way that i do now and like it is a problematic book, 100%. I've
0: re- I've heard a lot of bad things about it. That's why I'm yeah. a little, like, tentative at even, like, oh, no. thinking like, about it. Oh, no, like, it is so triggering. But, like, I look, like, I, again, like, you need
1: to look at it through a
0: very specific lens. And that is the way that it was intended to be written. All I've like, heard about it was that, like, it's about a relationship with an older man who, like, grooms and, like, yeah. uses a younger woman. And it's romanticized. It's, and I was like, It's mm. very
1: much not romanticized. It's very much not romanticized. The narrator is trying to... The narrator is trying to justify his actions, but the story itself does not let him. Okay. If that makes sense. It's just that we are seeing it through the eyes of a narrator who wants us as the readers to feel sympathy for him, but even the story itself does not want us to feel bad for him. Do you get what I'm saying? Get you get it. what I'm saying? It's just that, like, you know, people are just so eager to villainize and sexualize little girls that they were just so quick to write Lolita off as a villain, even though she was a child. So that's just like, those are just my two cents. You obviously don't have to agree with me on any of these. Lolita is a very like controversial book and I understand it. Um, but this is just like where my opinion comes in. Um,
0: okay, modern classics that I think that like everybody should, Gone Girl. It's <laughs> a modern classic. I want to know in like, what recommendation was this not recommended in? Like there were very little, maybe like Get Alive, Chloe Brown, yeah. but all the rest, like I have mean Gone single- Girl is a Romance. every single recommendation
1: the way that i was able to like say it was such a straight face like i have i mean i would love to do like just an entire episode dedicated to gone girl because i have so many thoughts and opinions on it it. um i'll do it myself i don't care like i have so much to say about gone girl but just like in general i do think that that book is a modern classic not just because like amy dunn is an icon and like yes she is but just the way that villainy is explored in that book and especially slight spoilers for gone girl but the way that like a female cruelty and female villainy and female manipulation is explored because it's so different to male cruelty and i know that i'm <laughs> doing this like very generalized like men and women like it's, that's not what i mean in the slightest but i'm saying like specifically um what gillian flynn loves to do is focus on women and the ways that they enact harm upon themselves and also upon other people okay um, The Secret History is a modern classic, but I've spoken about that so many times. Um, Atonement by Ian McEwen. The
0: amount of, like, (laughs) the amount of book to movie adaptations that uh, Natalie, no, what's her face, Keira Keira Knightley Knightley. was in. that I just have to say, the holy trinity
1: of Keira Knightley, Joe Wright film adaptations, Pride and Prejudice 2005. Um, Anna Karenina and Atonement. Atonement is honestly just, like, such a masterpiece of a film. But it's also so incredible as a book. Um, Big content warning for rape and child sexual assault. But, like, it's so tragic and it's so wonderful. And the movie is honestly, like, so on par with the book. Like, it's one of those, like, I don't even know which one I prefer. Because the, like, the film is, like one of the most breathtaking things I've ever seen in my entire life. But the book is one of the most, is one of the best things that I've ever read. So like, they're so heavily tied that like, I can't even separate them from each other. But that's just, I mean, and finally, the last book that I think will become a modern classic is Persepolis, which is a graphic novel that follows a young girl um, during the Iran
0: war. I did hear about that graphic novel. I read this in my
1: um, creative writing class in high school, and it was just so impactful. And I did cry in the middle of class while reading it and while watching it because they did make an animated movie out of it. And it broke me. And it was just so good. I really, like, I do think that it will become a modern classic books that I haven't read that I think will become a modern classic I mean the book thief is already kind of a modern classic yeah but I haven't read it Neither even though I, have I own it. it I have it I have the beautiful hardcover the like special anniversary oh edition. wow yeah
0: I, I auditioned for the movie
1: no not lying
0: <laughs> no I was in Germany at the time and the <laughs> the director came to our school and she's like "Here's you send me auditions I auditioned no. I was horrifying um okay but just by fyi so i could have been in that my my final
1: two recommendations (laughs) um the perks of being a wallflower Mm -hmm. by steven shvatsky have you read it do you think i read it yes no oh no it would break me oh yeah no it's a very like heavy no it's a very short book but it's also very heavy again big content warning for child sexual assault um I feel like this is a theme. It's throughout just classics. It's one of the most like I mean it is a modern classic and it it is one of the most like devastating portrayals of a depressed teenager mm-hmm. going into high school for the first time when he feels like he has nobody and like I don't want to say anything that might like ruin the book for you or like ruin any like spoilers or anything but it's just You know, that shit hits. I did see the movie. To put it lightly. The movie is so on par with the book. Like, it's phenomenal. Honestly, like, if you don't want to read it, watch the movie and you'll still get the same impact because Logan Lerman's performance. So good. Broke me. Like, broke me. Like, I don't think I've cried that much in a movie in a long time when I watched that. Wow. Just amazing. Um, The Outsiders.
0: Oh, my God. Obviously. That is one of my favorite books of all time. I
1: went through a phase phase in middle school when I first read that. I was so obsessed with it. I read it every single week because it was so short for like three months straight. That's amazing. For three months straight because I was so obsessed with that book. Maybe I was just so obsessed with Soda Pop, but like I literally like I really wanted him so badly. The movie, for Stay some reason, for some reason, every single guy in that movie so is hot. so hot. Like, oh my, oh my god. god! Except for um, what's his name? Tubit. He was the only one that I didn't think was like that attractive.
0: When I was but thirteen and watched this movie, else. I like, thought he was attractive. Someone
1: explained to me why I thought that. Like soda pop curtis was so fucking hot he was amazing he who was it rob Lowe. yeah that man looks like a barbie doll right now but
0: he's like he... 50 or something looked
1: so good in that movie oh my god patrick swayze oh my god yes dirty dancing by the way guys like watch <laughs> that movie it's not a book but it's a classic for sure okay well, that's one of my favorite movies of all time anyway final recommendation a modern classic that i like i think it will become a modern classic the hunger games
0: the Hunger I mean, Games by Suzanne
1: Collins. I think that it's one of the best. Cuz like dystopians are classics, 1984, mm-hmm. um the other one, Brave New World, Tale. The Handmaid's Tale. I haven't read The Handmaid's Tale but I really want to. I feel
0: I same. I feel like um, it would become a modern classic.
1: Yeah, I do think that The Hunger Games will become a modern classic because it is one of the best portrayals of like a dystopian society and it actually gives like critical thought to mm-hmm. of what a dystopian society is and it actually has a point to it other than like badass female main character and her two love interests and this corrupt government like it actually like has a
0: point and there's nothing wrong with books that are like that no but, but i'm saying like yeah. the 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 books
1: that like came after the hunger games that kind of tried to like copy that success i mean it the in the reason that, that they failed
0: was because that they lacked the critical like thought and an- yeah. analysis of that world um
1: so yeah, those are those are my recommendations. Sorry right. if it was
0: a lot, but actually I'm not that sorry. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Uh, we had fun, so stay I tuned. had a lot of fun. <laughs> exactly. So stay tuned for our next episode and we'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye.
1: Fully booked. Read into it with Michelle Amart and Liraz Levy.
0: All our shows and podcasts available online on our website and on all podcast platforms. Search AudioVersity.